Thank you so much for singing so well. I hope your heart is prepared and ready now to receive God's Word, because one of the reasons we sing is not only to give glory to God, as we've done, and to exalt His name, but also it prepares our hearts as we study His Word and allow Him to speak to us this morning. And so I hope you're ready for that now. Uh, I do want to say thank you so much for singing at the beginning of the service, uh, giving me that happy birthday. I, I feel so encouraged. I, I almost want to run for office at this point. I didn't know how this many people loved me. I'm... I'm I'm ready to run, but um, thank you so much, so kind of you to remember so many of you, uh, my birthday, and for those that didn't even know, thank you for singing anyway, and for, uh, and for loving me the way you do. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start a new series on celebrating Christmas, celebrating Christmas. The next few weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, this uh, idea of celebration, and, uh, and so we're going to start this morning on what we celebrate, studying from Luke chapter number 1, and we're going to look at verse number 46 and read on down all the way to uh, verse number 55, from verse 46 down to verse number 55, and we're going to look at this theme of celebration and how it is and what it is that we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. It says in Luke chapter 1, it says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath, he hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy." As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Let's pray. Father, as we begin our study this morning, I pray that first of all you would fill me with your spirit. I pray that I'd be able to communicate uh, the truth that you have laid on my heart, the message this morning. I pray that uh, not only that I would be able to communicate, but Father, uh, that if there's any truth that, um, that is shared today, may it be one that is received not as my word, but as your word. Not as my promises, but as your promises. And so, uh, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. And then I also ask that our hearts would be receptive to your word, that we would give control to your Holy Spirit, that we might receive that which you have for us, that we might see how we might apply it into our lives, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers also. And may we this morning grow closer to you. May we understand your word more fully. And may we live it out uh, experimentally in our, uh, in our life uh, that we might uh, be more Christ-like in all that we say and do. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Christmas is a time of celebration. And that means that it's a time of festivities. It's a, it's a time of, 
uh, getting together. It's a time, if, if I can say this, of partying, right? It's, it's a time where families come together and we celebrate. We, we actually have fun. We, we talk and we, and we sing and we, we do all, cor- uh, all types of activities because we're celebrating something. It's a time in which we are celebrating and remembering the birth of Jesus. The fact that Joseph and Mary had to travel to Bethlehem to be counted, to be taxed. We, we remember and we celebrate how there was no room at the end for them. How in a stable that night, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was laid in a manger. He was born in the most humble of circumstances and one of the most humble families. Uh, we, we celebrate the fact that the angels were told about uh, the Savior's birth and how they rejoiced and how uh, they went to look, the shepherds went to look for him immediately. And, and we, we kind of celebrate uh, all of that story. But when you think about it, if you had to answer what you're celebrating, what would you answer? I mean, are we, are we celebrating just... An event that happened? Are we celebrating uh, the person? What, what exactly are we celebrating? And as you think about that question, I believe there's a lot of answers that can come to our mind of what we are actually celebrating. Uh, I think that Christmas is more than just a story about a baby that was born in Bethlehem. It was, it's, it's more than just a, a, an announcement that was given by angels. It's more than just what shepherds went to go find. It's really something bigger than that. And sometimes when it comes to the celebration of Christmas, we, we can think of the story of Christmas. We can think of the festivities that we take part in and forget what all the celebration really truly is about. It kind of reminds me of a story I heard about a guy that um, was in his car and he was just kind of not being as careful as he should, and he bumped a car that was parked there on the side of the road as he was, as he was leaving his neighborhood. Feeling a little bit guilty, of course, he stopped, and, and there was people on the street. They had seen him, so he decided to get down, and he got a little paper from, uh, from his coat pocket and began to write on the uh, paper, and this is what he wrote. He says, everybody looking at me right now thinks I'm leaving my name, address, and phone number. I'm not. Good luck. And he left. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's how we can get in the celebration of Christmas. We, we can kind of put a show for people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm celebrating. But are you really celebrating? And if you are, what exactly are you celebrating? Here in this passage of Luke chapter 1, we, we find the, the story of the announcement of the birth of Jesus. We find that an angel has come to Mary to let her know that she was chosen by God to be the one that would bring the Savior into the world. And after hearing that news, she decides that she's going to go to see her cousin. In fact, the angel told her, your cousin Elizabeth is also expecting. And the boy that's going to be born from her is going to be the forerunner of the Savior. He's going to be the one that will announce the coming of this Savior, this Messiah. And so she goes to to visit her cousin Elizabeth. When she gets there, as soon as she says, hi, hi, Elizabeth, it's me, Mary. As soon as she gets there and, and Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, the Bible says that the baby leaped for joy in her womb. And suddenly, 
just upon hearing the fact that there's a birth coming, that there's a Messiah that is on his way, John the Baptist begins to celebrate. Well, after he gets so excited, Elizabeth gets excited herself and says, Oh, man, what a, what a blessing it is to have that, that mother of the Lord to come and visit me. She says, I'm unworthy of this. And she begins to rejoice. Well, she gets so excited. She begins to celebrate. And, and Mary, hearing her cousin say those words, knowing that now the baby has been leaping in her womb for joy. Now she gets excited. She joins the party. Now all three of them are celebrating this thing this announcement, this coming of the Messiah. And upon that celebration, there at that party, Mary shares this song. She shares this, these truths, you could say, and she shares this joy in this celebration. And I believe in this passage, as we study it, you'll find that there are some joyful truths that are worth celebrating. You'll find that really what they were celebrating isn't just a baby. It wasn't just uh, what we would maybe call today a baby shower that, hey, listen, we're, we're excited for the new addition to the family. Listen, it was more than that. This celebration went deeper than just that superficial celebration there. It was more than just that little festivity. They were celebrating something greater. This morning, I want to just share with you three joyful truths of what this celebration of Christmas was all about. What was it that in that first Christmas they were actually celebrating? Notice, if you will, first of all, that they were celebrating God's grace. Notice in verse 46 that Mary says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. You know, the first thing that Mary was celebrating that first Christmas was the grace of God. You know, there's nothing greater in the life of a person. There's no greater joy in the life of a person than knowing the grace of God. It's something that words can never fully describe. I mean... Uh, there are times when you and I will begin to think about the grace of God in our life and it moves us. It moves us like nothing else can move us. There are many of you here that are like me, we're, we're fans of a sports team. But even when your sports team wins a championship, there's, there's some emotion there, but that emotion, it kind of comes and goes, right? I mean... After all, by next year, if they don't make it to the playoffs or if they don't win again, all that joy seems to kind of dissipate. And suddenly we're looking and thinking, like, when are we going to win again? I mean, you can win up to five Super Bowls and still not be satisfied, if you're a Cowboy fan at least, right? It kind of goes away, but the joy of the grace of God is something that's permanent. It's something that stays with us. It's something that moves us to receive God's favor in our lives when we are so undeserving many times it leaves us speechless. And that's why even on times where we allow for testimonies to be shared, we, we did that on Tuesday night. And, and even when you're sharing sometimes what God has done or what God is doing or when you begin to share about God's grace in your life, some, so many times it's 
I've seen it, and it's happened to me where you can't even keep a strong voice. Your voice starts cracking, and you, you're moved to tears, and you're, you're just so emotional thinking about the grace of God, thinking about God's favor. You see, that was something that Mary was celebrating on that Christmas. It was more than just, man, look at me and look what I'm going to be able to do. It was look at God's grace. She was thinking to herself, wow, the grace of God truly is amazing. And she says, it was so amazing to me when he looked on my condition. I mean, she says there in verse number 48, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. Now, just to explain what that little phrase means, it, it means that she was not a person of wealth. When, when Mary said, God's grace, he has regarded me, he's looked on me of, of, of a person of low estate, that literally means that she was, she was in poverty. She was very poor. She was not one that was, in her eyes, very deserving of the blessing that she had. In fact, the very opposite of being wealthy is what she was saying. Even though she was direct bloodline of King David, more than 400 years had already passed. Now there was another king in Jerusalem, and it wasn't from the line of David. She was from the line of David. If there was anyone that should have been honored in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem, it should have been Mary, but it was not. We find now this line of David 400 years later, and they're very poor. They're not honored. They're not somebody real important in the society of that day. They're a family that was basically forgotten. And Mary begins to think about her condition, and she starts understanding that in her low estate, in the fact of her poverty, God remembered her in the condition that she was in. You see, in those days, poverty was not something that was recognized. It wasn't someone uh, that was appreciated if you were poor. You weren't someone that was, you know, really well regarded. You weren't held in high esteem, if you would. And Mary's thinking about that condition when she thinks about the fact that an angel came to speak to her. And she's thinking, why me? She's thinking, I don't deserve this. There's, there's literally thousands of other girls that are probably more deserving than me. That have a higher status in society than me. And yet he chose me. It moved her to think about God's grace in her life. And thinking about that condition. And thinking about her attitude in that. It kind of reminds me of where we're at today. You know, there's many in our world today that are in a low condition, in a low estate. And you say, oh, you're talking about those third world countries. You're talking about those that are in poverty even here in the United States. But I'm not even talking about the physical. I'm actually talking about the spiritual. You know, the Bible says that we were born in sin. And in that sin, it has put us into a low estate. We have no wealth towards God. We have no hope for the future without him. We are in a condition of condemnation. And yet, the Bible says that God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God regarded us in his grace despite our condition. 
Despite sin taking our hold of our lives, despite sin leading us to do all that we have done wrong, all the rebellion against God, God still looked upon us in our condition. I love what Romans 5 verse 20 says. Moreover, it says the law entered uh, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You see, where God's grace came into our life, it took us out of a condition that we were in. See, the grace of God is the only thing that has the power to take you out of a sinful condition, out of a condition of true poverty. And I'm not talking about, once again, materialistically poverty, but I'm talking about spiritually poor. In a condition where you have no relationship with God, in a condition where you have no help from God, the grace of God can come in and change that in a moment. Mary, that first Christmas, was thinking about God's grace upon her condition. But not only upon her condition, but also upon her legacy. And she said, man, my condition has changed thanks to the grace of God. Now I'm bringing in the Savior. But then the legacy, she says, is changed. She says, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. See, whereas before Mary would have a legacy of just being another poor girl trying to make it through life, now her conditions change, her legacy, her future has changed. Suddenly, she's not just one that's going to make it through life. No, she says, I'm going to be one that's going to be called the blessed. Her future now was changed. Her name was changed. Her status was suddenly changed. And can I say this morning that when you and I ask Jesus to be our Savior, Everything will change for us as well. That's what we celebrate in Christmas. That coming of the grace of God. That grace that's changed your and I, our condition. That grace that has changed our future, our legacy. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become New. What we celebrate in Christmas, my friend, is the grace of God. The grace that has lifted us up. The grace that says, where there is sin, my grace will abound more. My grace can forgive that. My grace can restore a right relationship. Listen, Christmas is more than just the birth of a baby. It's a celebration of the grace of God. Reminds me of the life of John Bunyan. John Bunyan was a man who's probably most famous for writing the hymn that most people know, Amazing Grace. Born in 1725, died in 1807. He was a man that was a very godly man, but, you know, his whole life wasn't defined by godliness. In fact, before he came to a saving knowledge of the grace of God, before he even wrote the song Amazing Grace, you know that John Bunyan lived as a slave trader. He literally would go to the continent of Africa and enslave people, capture them and take them back to England and sell them to others. It was a despicable trade. It was a despicable way to live. And yet that was his life. You could make a whole lot of money doing that. And financially, John Bunyan at that time was a wealthy man. But through different circumstances in his life, John Bunyan came to a point where he realized he was morally corrupt. 
He was unhappy. He had really no purpose in his life. He didn't know anything about the grace of God until one day. Until one day someone shared with him the plan of salvation. Somebody shared with him this celebration of Christmas. Someone shared with him, do you know that God became flesh and came to this world for you and for me? That Jesus came to die for your sin and John Bunyan put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He asked him to forgive him of his condition of sin, to restore him, to change him. And he did. Do you know that John Bunyan was one of the leading forces in helping William Wilberforce end the slave trade there in England. John Bunyan, a man that knew about the grace of God. Can I tell you this this morning? What we're celebrating in Christmas, it's more than presents and it's more than lights and trees. We celebrate the grace of God. Mary, Mary said, I, my soul doth magnify my God and my Savior. Why? Because of His grace. But not only do we celebrate God's grace, we also celebrate God's goodness. You see, God's grace always leads to God's goodness. He not only sees us for who we are and rescues us, but He sustains us. He works in us and He works through us. And Christmas is a time to remember God's grace, but also His goodness. Look at what Mary said. On that very first Christmas, she's there remembering God's grace. But then in verse 49, she says, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. We find that after God's grace, Mary thinks about God's goodness. Do you know that God's goodness came to her, she said, by his mercy being upon her. Now, that word mercy, we looked at it last week there in Psalm chapter 92. It's translated in our English language as loving kindness. Mercy can be translated as God's kindness to us. Mary, in that first Christmas, was celebrating, man, God has been so kind to me. God has been kind to me in choosing me to be the one to bring in the Savior. He's been so kind to me to provide a husband that's going to understand and not accuse me. The Bible says that Joseph could have accused her of being unfaithful, but he didn't. He believed. He believed the message of the angel. He believed to, to not put her away privately. No, no, Joseph was one that stayed with her and stood by her. And Mary was thinking, man, God's kindness, God's mercy is amazing. To provide a husband like that. To have uh, in my life a cousin that's going to encourage me. One like Elizabeth that's, that's when I go and visit her, she's going to celebrate with me. She's not going to be jealous. She's not going to uh, tell me like, why were you the one picked and not me? No, 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 no. She, she was excited. She said, man, God's been so kind to me. You know, God's kindness is seen and felt in so many ways in our lives. I don't know that we would think of God's kindness on Christmas so much as in a year like this year. <laughs> Truly. I mean, listen, when we celebrate Christmas, 
or when we celebrated Christmas in 2019, it was very different than Christmas this year, wasn't it? It's very different from 2018 and 2017. We think about now just the kindnesses that we've, that we've enjoyed in the past and how fortunate we were. But even in a year like 2020, we can think about how good and how kind God has been. In fact, in so many different ways, ways that we never thought of before, like just making it through 2020 with our health. Who would have thought in 2019 that we would have really thought about it the way that we're thinking about it right now? I mean, I know that every year when it's our birthday, we go, oh, you know, I'm so glad God helped me get to this age. And, and so many times we say, really without thinking about it, we kind of just say it because it's almost like the thing you say, right? I mean, that's, that's what you say when you're a Christian. You got to thank God for that. But when you go through a year like 2020, suddenly it really becomes something serious. When you're actually wearing a mask to go into a store because you're saying, man, I, I want to try to stay healthy. I want to try to stay safe. Suddenly, it, it really is different when you think about the kindness of God in your life. You see, what we celebrate at Christmas, it's, it's more than just the festivities of getting together with families. But it's a time to celebrate the kindness of God. To us individually, to us as families, just the kindness of God. I love what Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24 says. He says, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness. It's the first thing on the list. Jeremiah was to remember, listen, God is loving and he's kind. What are we to celebrate in Christmas? Really, what are we celebrating? We're celebrating the grace of God that's come into our life, that came into our world when the Savior came. But we celebrate the goodness of God, how loving and how kind He has been. Now, one of the things that I really love about, you know, Christmas being at the end of the year is because you can stop and reflect upon that. You can stop and reflect upon the, the, the times this year where we weren't as faithful to God as we should have been, yet God was still kind to us. We weren't as kind to others and as forgiving to others as we should have been, but God was kind and forgiving to us. Man, thinking about the kindness of God, Mary said, man, I, I can't help but think about that, his mercy upon me. But then she says, also his strength for me. And God's goodness, not only has he been kind to me, but he has strengthened me. It's amazing as she stopped and thought about how God had taken care of her from a state of poverty to a state of richness, a state of rejection to a state of high esteem and acceptance. She says, I, I noticed that God didn't choose what maybe the world would have chosen to be the one to bring in the Savior. He didn't choose the daughter of King Herod and he didn't choose the, the daughter of the high priest. No, he, he chose me. And he strengthened me. He's given them weakness for all of their wealth, but he's given me strength in my lowest state. It's amazing that what we celebrate during Christmas is a God that has strengthened us 
Not because we deserve it, but because he's good. You know, we've made it be this far because he's good. We haven't earned it. No, God's goodness comes to us as a result of just his mercy. As a result of his loving kindness. We can't buy it. The goodness of God doesn't come to those that have the money or the wealth to purchase it. No. It comes because he's good. Because that's who God is. He's a God that is good and kind and loving. Doesn't come because we're successful. Doesn't come because we're smart. It comes because God is good. I saw that Mary was saying, she's saying that first Christmas. Listen, the proud God hath brought low, but lows that were of low estate, he has exalted, he has brought high by his goodness. If there's something you ought to celebrate this Christmas, it's the fact that God is good. That God has been good to you and been good to me. Psalm 89, God says, with whom my hand shall be established, mine arm also shall strengthen him. We have all of our needs met Not because we're so good at handling our finances. No. It's because God's been good. God's goodness so many times reminds me of that little boy that went into the candy shop. As he walked in, the owner was there in a pretty good mood. And the the owner thought, you know what? This little boy, he's with his mom. It was just him by himself. Didn't have his brothers or sisters with him. And he thought, you know what? I'm going to give him a handful of candy. And so he got one of the biggest jars of candy that was there, the candy that all the kids liked. And he went to the little boy and he says, listen, son, you coming in today, man, you've made my day. I'm glad you're there with your mom and you're being obedient. I want you to have a handful of candy. And the boy looked at him and he said, and just shook his head. The man was a little bit puzzled. He thought, I know this little boy. He's been in here before. He, he loves candy. And so he got a little bit closer and put the jar a little bit more in front of him. And he said, are you sure you don't want candy? I mean, you can have a handful of candy. The little boy looked at him and thought about it. And he said, could you give me that candy? The man said, sure, I guess I could do that. And he reached in and got a handful and gave it to the little boy. As they were going home, his mom was a little puzzled by what happened. And she said, son, when he offered you that jar of candy the first time, why didn't you get candy? He said, because I noticed the owner's hands were big and much bigger than mine. She said, I thought if he got the candy for me, I'd get a lot more candy than if I just got it myself. Do you know the goodness of God is like that? So many times we think, oh, life, life has been like this for me because I've earned it. I've I've done so well in my business. I've done so well in my life and in my career because, man, I've just been smart. I've I've just been making all the right moves and all the right decisions. And so many people discount the goodness of God and they forget, you know what? As the Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the goodness of God, I have what I have. See, celebrating Christmas is all about celebrating His goodness. See, that's what the Savior is all about. That's what Jesus' birth is all about. It's the goodness of God that came into our world. It's the grace of God that took us out of our condition. That very first Christmas, Mary was saying, you know what? 
You know what? I'm celebrating. You know what? The baby's jumping all about. You know what? Elizabeth's uh, joy is all about. You know what? I'm singing all about. I'm singing all about the grace of God. I'm celebrating all about the goodness of God. But notice lastly, she celebrated God's guarantee. You see, whenever we're buying something, we, we all sort of want a, a guarantee in what we're buying, right? We, we all want to know that the product we're, we're buying is going to work. We ask the seller, is there anything here that you can guarantee? If something's going to go wrong, we can return it or exchange it or what? You know, at the end of, uh, of Mary's praise, she says this, and it almost seems like it's out of place. She says this, she says, He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. That phrase, when I was saying it, I thought, where did she come up with that? I mean, talk about a left turn. She's talking about the Savior coming. She's talking about God's grace. She's talking about God's goodness, how God was good to her and bringing her out and doing what he has done for her. And then suddenly, out of the blue, she says, and, and helped his servant Israel. Huh? Why'd she say that? Where'd that come from? I'll tell you what she was celebrating when she said that. God's guarantees. You see, God is one that makes promises. God is one that when he makes promises, he won't forget those promises. That's God's guarantee. I love that Mary, in the midst of what she was celebrating that first Christmas, she was remembering God's guarantees, God's promises. You see, many years, over 400 years had passed since the last time there was a king in Israel, since the last time Israel was really any kind of significant power in the world as a country. Many years had passed since Moses had written the Old Testament, since David had written the Psalms, since Isaiah had written his prophecies. Many years had passed since Jeremiah and Elijah and so many other prophets had, had proclaimed and written down what God said he would do, about the promises of God, all of that had passed. And for many, they had for even forgotten what God had said. But God had not forgotten. See, God is one that remembers his promises. Mary is celebrating the fact that, see, Jesus' birth is going to be a fulfillment of God's promise. And God is one that doesn't forget his promises. In Genesis chapter 9, you, you read about the story of the flood. And after the flood, God made a promise to Noah. You can read about it in verse 15. It says, and I will remember as he's talking to Noah, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow, and that's the rainbow, shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature and of all flesh that is upon the earth. Do you know, it's supposed to rain, I think, today. Anytime you have a really hard rain, anybody ever seen the rainbow after the rain? I know we live in a society that is trying to change the meaning of rainbows. We have a segment of society that wants to make rainbow be something that is an abomination to God, which the gay lifestyle is, instead of what it truly means, and that is the promises of God. 
God's guarantee. See, the rainbow came as a result not of ultraviolet rays and water coming and all this scientific stuff that comes into it. No. See, the rainbow came into being because God said, I want to give you a sign of my covenant, of my promises. You know that today, if it were to rain really hard, we'd see the rainbow and we can remember that's God's promise. That's God's guarantee. And can I say this? That what he says, he will do. God's not one that just makes promises like we do sometimes and never comes through with them. No, see, what God promises, he will do. Numbers 23, God says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Listen, God is one that will always do what he said he would do. God said from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, you can read it for yourself. From the very beginning when sin entered into the world, God made a promise. God said, through thy seed I will bring up one. He will bruise his heel and I will bruise his head. There's going to be one that will bring redemption. There's one that will bring salvation. You know what Christmas is? It's the fulfillment of that promise. It's the guarantee that God said, hey, if I said it, I'll do it. You know what's amazing about God's promises? They don't always come when we want them to come, right? But they always do come. Like we don't always receive that bonus check that we thought we were, you know, we were going to get at the very same exact time that we thought we should get it. But God always seems to provide even when the bonus check doesn't come. Ain't that amazing? Why? Because God always provides. God always fulfills his promises. Always. And though that phrase at the end of her song might seem like it's out of place, it really goes perfectly together with the celebration. Mary says, man, I celebrate God's grace. It's taken me from where I was to where I am. I'm celebrating God's goodness because he's been so kind to me. And what he's given me and what he's done in my life. But I also celebrate God's guarantee. Because what he promised, he's now brought to pass. Listen, I don't know what it is that you celebrate when you celebrate Christmas. I don't know if, like so many, we are just going through the motions and the festivities and the celebrations. But I guess what I want to encourage you this morning is... Let's celebrate Christmas the way they celebrated Christmas that very first time. Let's not forget about the grace of God. Let's not forget about the goodness of God. Let's not forget about the promises of God. Let's celebrate this Christmas what Christmas is all about. It's about Him. It's not about us, not about our gifts, not about our parties. It's about Him. This morning, I want to encourage you, in this Christmas season, listen, let's celebrate. You ought to get happy. You ought to get pumped. I mean, John the Baptist was leaping. I don't know how that, how that looked, right? But, I mean, he was leaping in her womb. Elizabeth was excited. Listen, Mary wasn't singing this song like, yeah, my soul doth magnify the Lord. No, 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 no. She was excited. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My Savior, my God, 
the one who's given his grace, the one who's been so good to me, the one that has guaranteed to me all of the promises he has made for me. That's what I'm celebrating. And listen, that's what we need to celebrate today. That's what Christmas is all about. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this festivity of Christmas. Oh, Father, I pray that as we think about celebrations, as we think about all that will happen in this next month, I pray that we would not forget what it's all about. Oh, I think there's room for gifts, and I I think we ought to have time where we spend moments with our families and where we encourage one another and where we give gifts to one another, and all that is wonderful. Oh, but Father, I pray that we would not forget the greatest celebration, and that is the celebration of who you are, the celebration of your grace, of your gift to us, of your goodness to us. Oh, Father, I pray that we would not leave out of our celebration all that Christmas really entails. But I pray that this this year and this season, um, that we, we would truly celebrate. We would celebrate what it's all about. Help us to be mindful of these truths. Help us to be joyful as we think about what these truths mean to us in our life. And I pray that we would celebrate accordingly in our homes and with our families. And we would share with them what your grace has done. And Father, that we might, in this Christmas season, give you all the glory and the honor. We would truly celebrate you. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.